Hi! Welcome to Truly Fabulously Monstrous. A podcast about true crime and cryptids. I am your host who's exhausted and feels dead inside, Addy James. I'm your other host who's also exhausted and pretty equally dead inside, I'm Kevin. Hi Kevin. Hi Hattie. So are we at the the place where we should uh, talk about what this podcast is about, or do you think we're at the place where people have been listening so we can figure it out? Uh, I think we could probably still talk about what it's about. Okay. So this episode, I'm sorry, I I just for some reason went like mindlessly on Instagram and I follow abbreviated history. Yeah. And since we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, today's abbreviated history is 5th century. Legend says St. Patrick expels snakes from Ireland. 2006, Samuel L. Jackson expels snakes from plane. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the funniest thing I've seen ever. That's good. I like that. Uh, okay. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Would you like to explain, or do you want me to explain? It's a podcast where on Tuesdays, one of us tells the other a story about a cryptid or mythological creature, and then on Thursdays, uh, whoever was listening to the story on Tuesday will tell the other one a story about a true crime. And since last week you told me a cryptid and I told you a true crime, that means that this week I'm telling the cryptid and you will tell the true crime. Yes. Yes. And a cryptid, for anyone who doesn't know, is just a creature who modern-day scientists and modern-day zoologists have not been able to find any evidence of. Right. They cannot be proven or disproven. Yes. And that includes, like, you know, the well-known ones, like Bigfoot. Uh, It also includes, like, really small, vague ones, like, um, uh, here in Vermont we have Champ. It's like your your own little Nessie. So, the cryptid that I have for this week, uh, well, is more from, it's more like a, a folklore story than a cryptid. Okay, you have me intrigued. Uh, okay, and you probably know, you actually probably would know more about it, because you took all the Russian classes when we were in college, and this was actually a suggestion from my roommate. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about Baba Yaga. So, uh, Baba Yaga is from Slavic folklore. Um, she is a supernatural being, or in some stories, she is one of a trio of sisters who all have the name Baba Yaga. And she often appears as a deformed or ferocious looking woman. Uh, She is a fearsome witch. She is often portrayed with iron teeth, which just reminds me there's a James Bond villain that has iron teeth and his name is Jaws. So that's all I can think of whenever I think about iron teeth. That just sounds inconvenient. He can bite through stuff in those movies. Chompity chomp. Sometimes uh, she is known as Baba Yaga Bony Legs. Uh, because in spite of a ferocious <laughs> appetite, she is thin and skeletal. Which, I th- Baba Yaga Bunny likes, that sounds kind of mean. <laughs> in addition to that, a lot of descriptions in the various folktales say that her nose was so long that it rattled against the ceiling of her hut when she snores. That's... It sounds uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Unlike traditional descriptions and depictions of witches that 
we're familiar with, Baba Yaga does not wear a hat and she does not travel on a broomstick. To travel through the forest in which she dwells, she perches inside a large mortar with her knees folded up to her chin and she uses the pestle to push herself across the forest floor. That sounds like Billy and the Ball. <laughs> I love, I just love all the, like, the artistic depictions of that because it's... I know she's supposed to be, like, intimidating and threatening looking, but it's just so funny. And she, I mean, she does have a broom. She just doesn't use the broom to fly. She drags the broom behind her mortar and she uses it to sweep away all traces of herself. And the broom is made of silver birch. Uh, When she appears, she's usually accompanied by fierce and wild winds. The trees creak and sway and leaves blow through the air. So very dramatic entrances. And she lives in a hut deep in the forest, which is usually portrayed as being elevated on large chicken legs. Say that one more time. Large chicken legs. Okay, so I wasn't hallucinating when you said that. No, she's she's the witch in the chicken leg house. I love it. The hut has a pretty dramatic personality of its own. It's kind of a living sentient being. Um, in fact, the chicken legs come in handy because it uses the chicken legs to move around. So she doesn't just travel in a mortar and pestle. Her house also travels. Now, question. Are they sure. just like, are they just like the weird scaly parts of the chicken legs or do they have the thick thighs as well? I've seen artist renderings of both. Usually it's just like the scaly leg part, but I have seen drawings where it's like the full like chicken butt (laughs) (laughs) her house be thick her house be thick Um, i don't know why i have to put the phlegm on thick (laughs) with seven c's chicken house it's a it's a thick thick house very cool Probably bigger on the inside than it is on the outside because it's magic. Like a TARDIS. Like a TARDIS. <laughs> I would love it if there was a Time Lord that just to screw with people had their TARDIS turn into Baba Yaga's hut. I would love that. <laughs> and they dress like Baba Yaga because they wanted to be left TF alone. <laughs> yup. Okay. He is a Time Lord. <laughs> Behold, it is I, Time Lord, Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Plot twist, Bobby Yaga is a Time Lord. I'd read that fanfiction. <laughs> it's actually the Master. Oh, I would absolutely read that fanfiction. I wouldn't write it because I'm terrible at writing fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I'd read it. I'd write it, but every time I've ever written a fanfiction, I've been like, I am bored because I start uploading it and the only comments I get are, update more! And I'm like, you know what? I'm just never going to update now. Thanks. <laughs> Let's see. There's a way to phrase it so that it's not quite so... <laughs> I don't know if that's the only word I can think of. Like, there's, you could be like, hey, I really enjoy reading what you're writing and I can't wait for you to update it. And then there's or- people being like, me, update more! Like, there's a it definite way like- to, like, phrase it as a the compliment that it should be and not like a whiny, I want all the things for free. Write me free things. <laughs> yeah, not just that, but it's like, you could tell me what I'm doing right. Give me a little boosty boost. Yeah, also that. Sometimes I'm bad at saying what it is I like about something, and all I can say is, like, wave my hands and say, I like it! <laughs> <laughs> I like this thingy that you're doing. <laughs> Do it more! <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> 
Okay. Oh. My, head, my headset's fallen off my face. Oh, no! It is, it is set up for my husband's head, and my husband's head is a lot bigger than my head. Or he got a big head. head. <laughs> he got a big head. Thick head. <laughs> thick head and thick chicken thigh house legs. <laughs> which brings us back to your story. Brings us back to, I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember which one, which of us side side railed. Uh, I think we both side railed it. Okay. <laughs> equal equal opportunity derailing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, back to Baba Yaga. Um, in addition to traveling uh, on the chicken legs, the hut also will spin and change positions while it's stationary. Uh, and the windows of the hut will act as its eyes, watching for visitors for whom to appear in front of. So the house is got like a personality of its own. While the hut spins, it emits noises in the form of loud and unsettling screeches. You know, like a chicken. <laughs> I don't like it. And it will only cease making these noises when it is confronted with a very specific and secret incantation that only Baba Yaga knows. When it stops spinning, it will turn to face the visitor, lower itself to the ground, and throw open its doors with a loud crash. So it's a very dramatic house for a very dramatic woman. <laughs> In some stories, the hut is surrounded by a fence made of bones, and this aids to keep out intruders, and this fence is topped with skulls, complete with blazing eye sockets to light the way. Uh, she has control over the elements. and uh... She's an avatar. <laughs> Literally, my next bullet point was always be prepared in case the Fire Nation attacks. <laughs> uh, we're both That's nerds. Um, yeah. When she thing. appears to people, she is usually accompanied by a fierce wind. The trees will creak and sway and leaves blow through the air. And also, obviously, she can control the amount of fire within the fence post skulls from a gentle glow to like a raging inferno, which we'll get to later. That comes back. She associates with many magical or supernatural assistants to help her either spread chaos or just help with her day-to-day -day existence. Uh, some of these otherworldly servants and or partners include the three horsemen who change the time of day as they ride through the forest. There's the white horseman, who she calls my bright dawn. The red horseman is my red sun. And the black horseman, my dark midnight. So there's sunrise, midday, and sunset basically, these three horsemen. She also has three pairs of disembodied hands that appear out of thin air to do her bidding. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like uh, it. I kind of do, because she's just like, all right, my helpers, come help me do things. And like I picture like Thing from the Addams Family. Oh, okay. <laughs> when, I, when I hear disembodied hands, I think like bloody. Like uh, they pro I mean, they probably were, but I was just thinking, I was like, oh, it's like Thing from the Addams Family, and he's like a cat. <laughs> Hey, um, he was a member of the family. He so are my cats. <laughs> he knew Morse code. Okay, yeah, my cats aren't that smart. They're pretty dumb, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of cats, she also has a fair amount of cats that live in her house. Um, it's a witch that... without like a handful exactly. of cats. Exactly, and sometimes they tend to side with the people who appear in her house more than her, because some stories... The people manage to escape Baba Yaga through the help of the cats. So I guess depending on how nice she's being to her cats depends on whether or not they're going to betray her. 
you know, like most cats. Uh, she also has a friend who is less of a servant and more of like a partner in crime, which is, I apologize if I really mess up this pronunciation, Kashchi the Deathless. Is there a way you could send me the, um... Um, I can spelling? send you, like, the Wikipedia article. Yeah, I just want to see how it's actually spelled yeah. in the non-Latin alphabet. Yeah. And then I can tell you. I got yeah. you, boo. <laughs> okay, I sent it to your Facebook. Okay. Koshe. Very similar to my cat's name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What about the Without the ch. But anyway, he is a sorcerer who is, uh, one of his big things is he has spelled himself a, a protection spell against being killed by hiding his soul within nested objects or pieces of so, his soul within so nested horcruxes. objects. Yes, Horcrux so style. Okay. In one story, he hides a piece of his soul inside a needle, which is inside an egg, which is inside a duck, and the duck will then fly away when it is threatened with capture. He could actually be his own episode. There's so much, like, there's so much lore about him. He is pretty intense, and I can absolutely say, I was like, oh yeah, there's a fair amount of he who must not be named that came out of this lore. Okay, back to Baba Yaga. Those are some of her otherworldly servants or partners. She associates with a lot of magical stuff. Rightly so, being magic herself. Um, depending on the story, Baba Yaga may choose to either help or hinder those who encounter her or seek her out. And it really depends on her mood and their attitude towards her and whether or not they have actively sought her out. There's a lot of stories where like people who kind of just happen upon her meet like a worse fate than people who deliberately go in search of her. And then sometimes it's the other way around. The girl lives for chaos. I, I kind of love it. <laughs> Visitor enters her hut. She will ask them whether they came of their own free will or whether they were sent there. And only one of these is the right answer. The wrong answer results in unpleasantness for the person answering, uh, also known as she will eat them. But also uh, only one of them is the right answer. And that right answer changes depending on the story. <laughs> so it just depends on her mood. Yeah, she's fickle. She doesn't appear to have any power over travelers who are pure of heart. So people who are protected by the power of a loved one or by their own virtue or by a mother's blessing. That's so Harry one Potter. Of the, yes, one of the big things that will just cancel out all of her magic is a mother's blessing. And that mother's blessing can be like in the form of a mother's dying wish or even in the form of like a talisman that the person carries that's been imbued with a mother's love or spirit. There's one story where the girl is carrying like a rag doll that her mother gave her before she died. And that rag doll is also magic. And so the kind of weird impossible tasks that she's given, um, if she appeals to the spirit of the doll, the doll will do the impossible tasks. And Baba Yaga has no control over that because it's been blessed by the girl's mother. That's, Neat. Um yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like level just like tiers of magic who outranks who. <laughs> Mom, I'm going to the Russian forest. Can you bless this talisman for me? <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry. My magic outranks your magic. I'm a level 20 mage and you're only a level 10, so <laughs> roll for initiative. <laughs> I'm gonna 
seduce the Baba Yaga. <laughs> How every D&D campaign ends. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, um, in some tales, Baba Yaga is presented as a trio of sisters, all with the name Baba Yaga. Uh, and then the hero will encounter them in, like, not all at once. He'll encounter the first one, and then he'll she won't be able to help him. She'll send him on to her sister, who will then send him on to the third one. So the first two Baba Yaga sisters encountered by the protagonist are usually either more helpful or just out, not outwardly antagonistic towards him. They'll just, if they can't like aid him, they'll just be like, I can't do anything. I'll send you on to my sister. And usually the first two will tell him how to avoid coming to harm in the house of the last sister, because the third and final Baba Yaga is the one who seeks to hinder the protagonist and to devour them. She is mainly portrayed as a terrifying like hideous old woman um however she uh, sometimes portrays the role of wise old woman kind of a mother earth character so she's like a force of nature she's wild she's untamed but she has the potential for mercy but only if you earn it Um, in the stories where she is portrayed as a wise old woman she'll give advice and she'll give magical gifts to the heroes who are pure of heart and come searching for wisdom knowledge and truth but then she'll give like bad bad stuff to people who just kind of show up and invade her space and are like hey give me something give me cool stuff like so you got to you got to earn that knowledge and truth. So while in any form if whether she's a ruthless witch or a wise old woman, she is always all knowing and all seeing and she can be all revealing if you are one who is going to dare to ask her. And then even in some of the stories she is said to be a guardian spirit of the fountain of the waters of life and death. So she's pretty intense. <laughs> As intense um, as a camping trip. Although don't go camping near her. You'll die. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, as far as like the folktales go, uh, she's represents a pretty unique presence. Um, because most folktales follow a formula. There's a predictable layout for the characters who are not the hero slash heroine. And with that a predictable layout for their interactions with said hero or heroine. They are either there to help them or they are there to hinder them. There is a villain who seeks to cause harm to the protagonist and to stop them in their story. And then there is the donor who will seek to aid the protagonist and often gives them a magical agent of some kind. But when it comes to Baba Yaga, she can take both roles, sometimes even in the same story. (laughs) So she she lives for chaos and i can respect that (laughs) she's just like chaotic she's just all the chaos all the time she is entropy (laughs) she wakes up and decides if she's gonna be chaotic good chaotic neutral chaotic evil that day yeah flips a coin (laughs) i i identify with that yeah except Um, i don't have enough energy to be chaotic Like, I'm chaotic on the inside. She, I am. (laughs) Um, Okay, back to Baba Yaga. (laughs) One of the most famous Baba Yaga stories is that of Vasilisa the Beautiful and Baba Yaga, in which Baba Yaga takes on just all the seemingly conflicting roles. Uh, The story itself is actually pretty recognizable with elements that you will know from several very well-known fairy tales. 
like from other parts of Europe, because we all know that a lot of fairy tales share common story elements and oh like, yeah are present across lots of cultures. I took um, that especially... fairy tale folklore <laughs> and children's literature course at our at our alma mater. Yeah, I took it twice. <laughs> That's how much I liked it. <laughs> um, but especially if it's a cautionary tale, um, it's going to be present in lots of cultures. So Vasilisa is the daughter of a merchant. And the merchant marries a woman with two other daughters, and then he dies and leaves Vasilisa in the care of her stepmother, who turns out to be a stepmother of the wicked variety. They are very present in fairy tales, and I think it gives stepmothers a bad rap. And I don't much yep. care for it. I agree. As a stepmother, um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after failing to get rid of Vasilisa in other ways, her stepmother sends her into the forest directly to the hut of Babiaga. Um, so like basically, okay. Yeah, so they between like her and her daughters like cook up a thing that they make it so that while they're cleaning the house, the all the fires go out and they send her into the forest to get fire from Babiaga. So kind of like a like a Prometheus story, like go get fire from the gods. Okay. <laughs> so they send her directly to the hut of Babiaga, knowing that Babiaga notoriously eats humans who happen upon her hut. However, sensing the pure of heart nature of Vasilisa, uh, Baba Yaga gives her a series of impossible tasks to complete, and one of them being to separate grains of rice from wheat kernels before dawn comes, and that's similar to uh, Ashenputtel, picking the lentils from the ashes of the fireplace in the Grim Fairy Tale. Yep. And so uh, this is the story where she has the rag doll that's imbued with her mother's spirit. So uh, she's able to succeed in her tasks. And when she does, Baba Yaga gives her one of the skull lanterns from the walls of her hut, which uh, contains the fire that she needs. And when she brings the skull home, the flames from the skull engulf her stepmother and her stepsisters and they die <laughs> horribly yeah. and on fire. And now free from the tyranny of them, uh, Vasilisa goes on to marry the Tsar, and she becomes queen. <laughs> okay. So, in this that just version... Went from, like, that just went from, like, zero to a hundred to, like, five hundred in, like, two seconds. Yeah, so in that story of... In that Babiaga story, she's both a trickster and a villain, because how else would the stepmother and the stepsisters have known to send her to Babiaga's hut to be devoured if Babiaga didn't make it real well known that she's all about eating people. So she's obviously, she's already a trickster in the beginning of the story, but uh, she ultimately steps up to the role of savior because she provides Vasilisa with the means to rid herself of her, uh, her family that's been cruel to her. Um, of course, she does so in a very horrifying and very, very violent way, which kind of goes along with her being a embodiment of nature, because her methods of aid and help are often outside the bounds of human morality and take very menacing and troubling designs. So she's just like, you want help? Okay, yeah, sure, I'll give you help. Here, take this, and it will burn down your family. <laughs> and Vasilis is like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's like, sign me up for that. Sign I'm me up for that. Of course, then at the end of that story, she doesn't take the fire with her. She buries the skull in the ashes of her house. And she's like, gonna leave that there. Gonna walk away from this and never think about it again. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go be queen. Would that technically be considered murder? Could it? Is it murder? Well, I don't If she maybe? knew, if Bobby Yaga handed her this and said, go back in, it'll light them on fire. 
then maybe. I don't think she told her that. She just was like, here, you came for fire. Take this lantern. It has fire. But then once the stuff was on fire, I don't think Vasilia did anything to stop it. She was like, oh, no, it's on fire. Oops. Oh, no. Oh, no. Whatever will I do? (laughs) Stop. Wait. Let me put some water on it. Takes, like, a drop of water. And the river just, eh. (laughs) Um, In other stories... Baba Yaga is definitely in the role of the villain. There's a, speaking of, you mentioned Hansel and Gretel. Um, there is a very Hansel and Gretel-like story uh, where two children are cast out of their house, again, by the stepmother. Stepmoms can't get a break in these stories. No, they can't. And, um, but they're cast out of the house by their stepmother and sent to Baba Yaga's hut, uh, where they once again are given three impossible tasks to complete. And the punishment for not completing them, of course, is that she is going to eat them. And the children manage to escape this grisly fate through the aid of several animals, plants, and other sentient objects whom Baba Yaga has been neglecting. And so her status of spirit of nature is turned back on her in, to spite her, basically. Um, and then there's my favorite interpretation of Baba Yaga, which is old woman who wants to be left the heck alone. So um, me. <laughs> she yes she does tend to catch and eat children in most of the folklore but she never goes out of her way to kidnap anyone it's just the people who like end up at her house and she's like can't i i have a fence made of human bones that are on fire <laughs> what part of that means come and knock on my door um so like the children slash the lost ingenue slash the misplaced hero they'll all either seek her out or they intrude upon her solitude in some way, be it intentional or unintentional. Um, And the usually impossible tasks that she gives them serve as a tool for her to get them away from her for periods of time until they eventually wind up back in her her space. And then she eventually falls back on the, okay, fine. If it means getting rid of you, I will eat you. (laughs) Solution. Although I will point out that the children and women who enter the domain of Baba Yaga is usually almost always by chance or to seek help. Like the children ended up there by accident. Uh, Vasilisa ended up there because she like was on a mission and she wanted to ask for help. When the male protagonists end up at Baba Yaga's, it is usually to just straight up demand favors from her. There's a story... Uh, Baba Yaga and Zamorashek, wherein a farmer and his wife desire children but cannot have them. So one day they meet an old man in the woods, possibly magical, doesn't really say, but he tells them to go around to every house in the village and collect one egg from every house and then let a hen brood over the eggs. And then there were 41 houses in the village, so they collected 41 eggs. And in the morning, the eggs had yielded 40 strong sons and one weakling son who was given the name Zamorashek. And then a lot of plot happens, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Zamorashek proves himself to be the cleverest of all the sons because he has to compensate for not being big and strong, blah, 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 blah. And eventually the story progresses to the point where the 41 sons want to go out and find themselves brides. So they go in search of 41 sisters because of course they do. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And they find themselves at Baba Yaga's hut where uninvited they just tie their horses to her fence and just kind of stomp on into her house 
Her fence is made of bones! Her house is on chicken legs! What makes them think this is a good idea? I, I, I don't know. Um, I included a bit of dialogue from Alexander Nikolovshik Afanasev's collection of Russian folktales. Then Baba Yaga met them and said, O ye unlooked for uninvited guests, how did ye dare without leave to tie your horses to my stakes? Come, old lady, what are you complaining of? First of all, give us food and drink and take us into the bath and thereafter ask us for our news and question us. So basically, 41 rowdy young dudes rode up, parked their rides in her driveway without asking, invaded her house, and when she said, hey, quick question, what the actual heck, they then berated her for being annoyed. Like, hey, shut up, old lady. Feed all 41 of us. Let us use your shower, even though you don't know us, and we just broke into your house. (laughs) She ate them, right? Well, uh... Please tell me she ate them. Well, okay, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Um, when they finally calmed down from eating all her food long enough, which I kind of picture this as like the scene in the Hobbit when the dwarves all just show up at Bilbo's house and just start eating all his food. And he's like, uh, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Only that was kind of adorable. This is just these guys. I hate these guys. So they like eat all her food and then finally like tell her why they're there. And they're like, we're on a journey to find 41 brides for us 41 brothers. And Baba Yaga, of course, responds with, hey, what a coincidence. I happen to have 41 daughters. Ain't life funny like that. (laughs) So then there's a very, very, very kind of rushed wedding ceremony. But of course, like Baba Yaga clearly is... probably not about to let her daughters just kind of go off married to a bunch of jerks who just crashed into her house uninvited and then were super rude to her. So what she is planning is that in the night, her faithful servants, um, uh, which are not described in this particular story, but from other stories, we can probably infer some kind of like imp or monster, possibly those disembodied hands from before. When called upon, will behead the 41 dudes. Um, but since this story is called Baba Yaga and Zimorashek, it's pretty much established that he is the protagonist, the quote hero. So we're supposed to be rooting for him and his cleverness to get out of this. I personally was not. But he does, uh, because his horse whispers to him that after the wedding... Oh, um, yeah, I forgot to mention in that plot that I skipped over before, uh, his horse is a magic horse. <laughs> that was one of the things okay. that I was like, blah, blah, blah. So his horse whispers to him that when he and his brothers lay down with their wives that night, that they should switch clothes with their wives before they go to sleep. Otherwise, they will be killed. So in the night, when Baba Yaga calls upon her service to cut the heads off the insolent and uninvited guests, in reality, the servants end up cutting the heads off of Baba Yaga's own daughters. No! And our protagonist wakes up. He wakes up his brothers, informs them of what happens. They sneak out. They take the heads of the daughters and impale them onto the spikes of the fence outside the house. And then they peace out and they use a magical handkerchief that they stole from Baba Yaga to build a bridge to escape over an entire ocean and then vanish the bridge and leaving Baba Yaga with no choice, but to turn back to her house that is now surrounded by the severed heads of her own children. So long story short, a bunch of loud dudes break into an old woman's house, demand she feed them, demand to marry her daughters, And then when the old woman intervenes to protect herself and her daughters, 
the leader of the men makes it so that it's the daughters who wind up dead and they steal some of the old woman's stuff and then they run away like the jerks that they are. So there's that story. <laughs> that is a story. Yeah, not a fan of that one. Cause... No, I'm not a fan either. I like the other yeah. one better. <laughs> Me too. But it's uh, Bobby Yaga stories like that one that have kind of served to turn the tide of the image of Bobby Yaga from like sinister witch to almost feminist icon. Because now there is a serious wave of interpretation and study that is changing the dialogue of what Baba Yaga represents. Uh, there was a 2017 article from Vice by Marissa Clifford that was entitled The Enduring Allure of Baba Yaga, an Ancient Swamp Witch Who Loves to Eat People. And so in me. That... <laughs> and also me. <laughs> um, um, in that article, uh, she wrote, she tends to attract ardent admiration from those who discover her. In recent years, she has accrued a devoted following among witches and mortals alike. And then a writer on uh, Pathios, who goes by the handle Starlight Witch, writes about the recurring dreams that they have had throughout their life, uh, wherein Baba Yaga has appeared to them during transformative life moments as sort of a mother figure slash spiritual guide. And the Facebook group Wiccan Unite has several threads devoted to discussing Baba Yaga's power and perpetual legacy. Uh, there's a character in the Netflix original series, The OA, where Baba Yaga appears to the main character in visions that are brought on during intense near-death experiences. And she is kind of an omniscient power in like a star-strewn between places landscape and she's capable of granting mystical powers and acting as a guide to either help the main character cross over to the afterlife or return to earth and the choice is always left up to the main character Bobby Yaga is like kind of there as like a, a spiritual guide in 2017 there was a vogue article titled the most beautiful broom for your inner witch <laughs> i loved it i read the whole article i was like this is great <laughs> Um, it discussed the history of brooms in witch lore and featured a segment on Baba Yaga's broom that she uses to sweep away the traces of her mortar and pestle transport. Back in 2013, the feminist website The Hairpin ran an advice column and then later published a book entirely from Baba Yaga's perspective titled Ask Baba Yaga. So kind of like a, like that. yeah, what's, what was that? Um, like a Dear Abby column. In September 2017, she was voted Jezebel's next top beauty creature in an internet poll that pitted Baba Yaga, who likes bones and hates people, versus the Siren, a goth mermaid who lures men to their death, <laughs> and thus unseated the mermaid from her fishy stranglehold on the beauty industry. And there's a great, I included a great, paragraph from that article Baba Yaga the, uh, Baba Yaga the lovable old crone who travels via mortar wields a broomstick and hoists her home up on chicken feet is the next beauty inspiration she is beauty YouTube's new lodestar a wrinkled possibly toothless old woman who travels the dark forest via mortar and pestle a siren is the mermaid's sulky cousin the one that comes to visit for thanksgiving and sits in a corner fastidiously picking runs in her black tights a siren rolls up to karaoke and always sings evanescence only my immortal and never anything else baba yaga hates karaoke despises most people and really really wishes everyone would just leave her alone <laughs> 
She is a true inspiration and the rightful winner of this high stakes competition. Congrats to you, Baba Yaga, wherever you are. Please don't eat us. I love it. I love it so much. So much. (laughs) Um, And today, thanks to the power of the internet, Baba Yaga has gained a fan following, placing her in a similar position as that of like Mothman or the Loch Ness Monster. Um, a probably not real, but still really cool to learn about and write about uh, mythical or supernatural entity. Uh, many of her fans playfully refer to her as a feminist icon. The woman behind the Ask Baba Yaga columns and then later book writes, That image of an old woman living in the woods doing whatever she wants all day long continues to be my dream for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I was reading all these things and I was like, um, me. They're talking about me. <laughs> um, Baba Yaga's existence is as one who is able to step outside of the bounds of society, both in the physical sense and in the moral sense. Uh, she exists as a sort of paradox. She can aid or she can hinder. She can be a force for good or evil or both at once. And she really kind of is the embodiment of chaotic neutral like a neutrally chaotic presence from a feminist analysis of folklore uh, characters that are of these positions uh, namely powerful women who just want to be left alone and want to take care of themselves are so often depicted from like exclusively the male gaze um like products of a patriarchal patriarchal society and something to be overcome and controlled and subdued in order to quote put things right, i.e. put the men back in charge. And Baba Yaga just turns all of that on its head because she's as dangerous as she is wild. And even when she gives aid, uh, she does so in the presence of an awe-inducing power of Mother Nature. And she just refuses to be tamed because she's Mother Nature. And her persistent popularity and transformation into a feminist icon likely stems from her compelling rejection of social standards and the subsequent power that arrives from that rejection. Um, So she's apart from the norm. She's an outlier. Spiders, York. (laughs) (laughs) Who should not have been counted. (laughs) Um, She has a power that isn't reliant on beauty or societal standards of beauty, or and also isn't reliant on social standing or on relationships with others. Her power comes from within her and from within nature. So... Uh, T uh, TLDR, scary magical old lady who eats people that intrude on her solitude from Russian folklore persists into modern society as a representation of not letting societal pressures dictate what kind of woman you need to be. She's magic, she's weird, and she just wants to be left alone in her magical moving house on chicken legs. I respect that. I love it. That was great. Thank you. That is my, ba- that is my Baba Yaga story. And once again, you have set the bar higher than I could achieve because I do not put that much work into it and yours sounded like an actual paper. That's the English major rearing its head. The history major in me should do the same thing, but the history major in me is also like, if I can't access JSTOR, which I am poor and not a student anymore, so I can't access JSTOR, then I'm not doing this the the proper way. I'm doing it the... I'm going to look up five different websites online and just write four pages (laughs) of it. So, I guess we should tell people where to find us now. 
we should. Do you want to start, Kevin? Sure, I'll start. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TFAB MonsterPod. And you can also find us on the Instagram at Truly Fabulously Monstrous, which is also our Gmail, Truly Fabulously Monstrous at gmail.com. Uh, send us things. Send, send us, us things. Baba Yaga. Yes. Are you Baba Yaga? Send us an email about that. I want to hear it and be your friend. <laughs> Me too. All right. Um, I think that's about it for this episode. So, um, yeah, be sure to like, comment, subscribe. That's what people say on YouTube, not on podcasts. So I don't know <laughs> leave a called. review, follow. Yes. And tune in for the next episode when Hattie's going to tell us a super cool true crime story. I wouldn't go that far. It's super cool. I'm calling it now. Super cool. It's a true crime story. (laughs) (laughs) You set the the bar too high, Kevin. Don't get their hopes up. Tune in Thursday for me telling you about yet another sensationalized train wreck. I like the sensationalized train wrecks. They're the best kind of train wrecks. Okay, alright. Well, tune in next time, guys. We'll be there, and we hope you will, too. Bye! Bye!